0: We um, continue our Advent series, A Weary World Rejoices. Um, And that series leads us to the topic of peace. Uh, The heart of our our series has been the reality that the hope for humanity, the hope for a weary world, is only found in the Advent and the coming of Jesus Christ. That his life, uh, his teaching, his promises, uh, his sacrifice, his resurrection, And our ability to participate in that, our ability to receive that, our ability to follow after that is the only hope for mankind. And not just the only hope for mankind on kind of a broad scale, but the only hope hope we have to really discover the things that we're talking about in the Advent season, to really experience what it is to find true love, to really understand what joy is, to really find hope and peace. Now, as we get to this one, as we we talk about the concept of peace, I think it is a particularly important element of the Advent promise. In fact, I might say it is the most anticipated element in relationship uh, to the coming of Jesus Christ. And not just because I think that the um, promise of peace for a weary world seems so perfect. How many of you guys sit in your own individual life where you sit and you look at the way the world is going right now and you go, man, it would be wonderful if we could really find peace. But it's not because of that that I say that this is possibly the most important element of the Advent promise. The reason I say it is probably the most anticipated promise of the Advent of Christ is because I think we can say that the Bible indicates that it, it is the most anticipated element of the advent of Christ. And the reason I say that is because the, the, all throughout the scriptures, we see the coming of the Messiah is focused intently on the promise of the peace over and over and over again. It's what we see. It's what we see. If you look again at our Advent reading uh, today that comes from the Messianic prophecy found in Isaiah about the Savior's birth, Isaiah 9, what what did we read? What did it say? His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. One of the titles we see in this prophecy is the Prince of Peace. And then it goes even further than that and says, of his reign, of his his kingdom, the peace will never end. Another messianic prophecy that's found in Isaiah is Isaiah 53, and it says this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. The prophetic declaration in Zechariah says, Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot of Ephraim, the war horse of Jerusalem, and the battle bull shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. Ezekiel says, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. Here, Ezekiel is speaking of that new covenant that is being developed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And he says, that covenant will be a covenant of peace. Micah 5 prophesies of the Messiah, and he says, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, And he shall be their peace. Even as we look at the anticipation of Christ's coming in the New Testament, we see the emphasis on Christ bringing peace. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, prophesied over his son and spoke of the coming of Messiah with these words And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high and give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. His declaration here is Jesus Christ, who is going to be the rising light, who is going to be the light that comes in the dark world, will lead us into peace. Zechariah believed the coming of the Most High would result in us finding peace. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy points to the Messiah as the bringer of peace, the bringer of a special dawning of peace. And so it's no wonder that the angels, after announcing the birth of Christ to the shepherds that Christmas night, would say, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. As much as we see hope in Christ's coming, as much as we see love or joy in his coming, if we are going to talk about what we anticipate when we are visited by Christ, there is no greater anticipation of the advent but the anticipation of finding peace. And as I say that, I don't know about you, but receiving peace, living peace, in peace, strikes me as a wonderful promise. When I look around, when I look inside, when I, when, I, when I look at relationships, when I look at the world, when I see what is taking place in this world, in, in the natural world, with, with all its brokenness, with all its pain, with all the struggle and all the conflict, with all the weariness, To hold before us the hope of finding peace feels like almost an otherworldly promise. So often life in this time feels like commotion followed by conflict engulfed in chaos. To have a mind at rest, a heart at peace, I really don't think is a common occurrence. In fact, as time has marched on, I think it is far more rare with each passing day. Personal relationships, pressures of finances, political conflict, all conspire to create such a constant internal turmoil that boils over into societal disunity, that finding a place of peace seems otherworldly. And yet this is what the word of God says would come with the advent of Christ. And what is beautiful about that, what is amazing to me about this promise of peace coming with the advent of Christ is that that promise is matched with the words and the work of Christ upon his arrival. That it's not just looking at what the prophet said years before, it's not just talking about what Zechariah said, said just a matter of days before. But that that promise seems to be fulfilled in both the words of Christ and the work of Christ. John shows us in his gospel that his work is that of peace. Jesus makes this declaration. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We see see it again revealed in John chapter 16 where he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Here's the words of Jesus Christ himself matching the prophetic. He's coming in and he's, he's making the same declaration I'm making, right? In this world there is tribulation. In this world there is turmoil. But I've come to give you peace in the midst of it all. Romans 5 describes the work of Christ bringing peace when it says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 says, he is our peace and that he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. And my favorite passage that promises peace is found in Philippians chapter 4. And it again is tied to who Jesus Christ is, what Jesus Christ did. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Time and time again after the advent of Christ, we see the visitation of peace in the life of those who embrace the coming of Christ that the promise of peace in the birth of Christ is fulfilled in the visitation of Christ. That him coming, that him doing what he did is meant to be a place of peace for each one of us. We have peace in Jesus Christ. Now here's the thing with that. I make that declaration and us all in this place being being good Christians will say amen. That's right. In Jesus Christ, we have peace. Amen, preacher. Thank you. But too often we don't. Although we have Christ, we don't seem to have peace. The number of Christians who are gripped with anxiety, overcome with fear, deeply distraught with with the unfolding of their lives in in commotion, in conflict, in chaos, is still too prevalent. And I'm here to tell you this morning that if you really understand the, the promise of peace held out for you through the words and work of Jesus Christ, you actually can find the peace that he promises. But the first step to really understanding and finding the peace that that Christ promises in his advent is realizing the Bible expresses the promise of peace in two ways. Much like the definition of the word peace is understood in two ways. Now, you have to understand this. Is as we walk into this, understand what peace really is. Peace generally has two basic definitions. When you look at the concept of peace, it carries with it two distinct but kind of related ideas. The first is peace represents a lack of conflict, um, the secession of warring, right? Uh, World War II ended d- definitively on September 2nd, 1945 in Tokyo Bay with the signing of a peace treaty. And that, and that, that followed the signing of a peace treaty on, on, on May 8th in Berlin, Germany. So when that, peace treaty, when that peace treaty was signed, we had peace. Why? Because the warring had ended. The conflict was done. There's a second concept of peace that I think most of us probably run to right away. Um, and, and that idea is the idea that It is a a peace that is one of of internal or personal harmony, of of rest or tranquility. Your mind and your heart and spirit are not in turmoil. You are at peace. An important reality to note about these two sides of peace is that the first definition of peace is related to to a tangible change in your circumstances. Peace or war are definitive, right? There's either conflict at hand or there isn't. Once the conflict has ended, the peace has begun. The second idea of peace is more nuanced. Uh, it is less about tangible change in circumstances than it is about a change in perspective, right? Because this is something that's taking place inside of us. Uh, you, can, you can be at peace regardless of what the circumstances are. Or you can be not at peace regardless of what the circumstances are. The cer- change in circumstances can bring about a change in perspective or it cannot bring about a change in perspective. Many people who, who ha- found anxiety as the battle's rage could still be gripped in worry at how long the peace will last until the next battle begins. Right? Sounds like a lot of people we know, isn't it? These two ideas about peace are are not foreign, I think, um, to our definition of the word peace. Probably nothing I've said to this point as it relates to peace is is very eye-opening. But it's here that you need to understand um, about the promise of peace through Jesus Christ. It, It is his work manifested. And his work manifests both of these elements in our lives. If we are going to really discover the peace that Jesus Christ has for us, we need to understand what that peace is. And the truth is, both of these elements of peace are what manifested in the work of Jesus Christ and what the word of God tells us Jesus Christ has done. We have both of these alive in us. This is what, where we too often fail. We too often don't realize what the nature of the peace he provides And we too often don't realize how we can experience that peace in our lives. First of all, the work of Jesus Christ established the end of conflict. It ended the warring for all who are in him. The war has ended, the enemies have become friends, and the peace has been established. Many Christians have lost sight of the fact That the saving work of Jesus Christ has ended a conflict and has brought peace. Paul explains what I'm talking about in Romans chapter 5. He opens the chapter by saying, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then later on, he reveals the nature of the peace when he says in verse 10, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the work of Jesus Christ. You see, the the, the first expression of the concept of peace through the work of Christ is prevalent in the life of the believer. You guys got to understand this, and this is something that we we don't embrace, we don't talk about, we don't think about very often. There was an antagonistic, oppositional um, relationship without Jesus Christ. We were enemies of God. We weren't on God's team. God wasn't on our team. It was oppositional. There was a warring at place. And that is literally the state of people who are not in Jesus Christ. Colossians expresses it, I think, even more clearly when he says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present to you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm. And do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. The declaration in Romans and in Colossians is a definition about the peace made by Jesus Christ we have to embrace and we have to receive and we have to understand. There was an oppositional relationship between us and God. We were his enemies. He was not for us and we were not for him. When we are not in Christ, that is our status. God's not winking at you. God's not okay with you. The Bible says that we are in a state of enemies. We are in a state of warring. We are in opposition to him. And that is foundational to why Jesus Christ had to come. Because he had to come to bring the peace. He had to come to end the war. He had to come to, end the, to bring together father and son. Father and daughter. He had to come to bring this relationship together, and it's what happened through the work of Jesus Christ. Through the cross of Christ, he made a way for peace to be restored. The cross was as as literal a contract of peace as any peace treaty that has ever been signed. It's what the cross did. He shed his blood for your sins and my sins. If you remember what it said in Colossians, Colossians says, because of, our, because of the sin in our lives, we were enemies of him. But Jesus Christ went to the cross and he took our sins there. He who was perfect, he who had no sin, who was unworthy of death, took our death upon himself so that those who believe in him might be reconciled, might find peace with our God. This is the work that Jesus Christ did for us. Through his blood, we were reconciled. And I want you guys to see again and understand the, 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 the complete reconciliation that is being declared by what Jesus Christ did. Colossians said, reconciled, he reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Do you see the complete nature of our reconciliation because of what Jesus Christ did? Look there, you now stand before God holy and pure because of the work of Jesus Christ. We as Christians, once you have entered into that relationship, once that reconciliation has been made by the work of Jesus Christ, we are talking total peace with Him. That whatever accusations the devil might throw at you, whatever whatever fears you have, whatever doubts you have, they have been eradicated completely by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. This is what he did. This is the positional peace we have, this is the very natural change of our circumstances. We are no longer enemies of the the God. We are his children. We are no longer in opposition to him. He is in our favor and he is with us. We are allied with God because of the work of Jesus Christ. You have to understand the pathway to that though. When you look at what Colossians says, what does it say? Is the way to that. It is in faith and hope in the gospel. The gospel is the good news of the life and the words and the promises and the work and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we put our faith and our hope in all that he is, in all that he said, in all that he did, that's when we are reconciled to our heavenly father the cessation of hostility, and the union with the father and child begins when you accept him. If you're here this morning and you've not received him as your savior, you've not come to that point where you said, I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ. All that he said, all that he taught, all that he did, I realize that I can't do this on my own. I realize that my sinfulness is what puts me at a warring place with my heavenly father. If you're at this place, I want you to realize you can be restored because of the work of Jesus Christ. You can find yourself in a place of positional peace. But that's only the first element of peace, right? the change of circumstances that moves you from an enemy of God to a peace with him. There's no more animosity, there's no more conflict. But what about the second element? The interpersonal harmony, the rest, the tranquility. Many a Christian who has given their hearts to Christ embrace and believe in their change status, but they still struggle to live in peace. So how do you find that piece? I want to give you, I want to give you a hint. Um, that piece is tethered to your change in status, but it is only realized when you have a change of perspective. Walk with me back to the passage in Philippians four that I love so much, but I want us to take just a little bit more of it this time. Philippians 4, starting in verse 4, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Now, every time I read that passage, I don't know about you, but every time I read that passage, just a little bit in me just lifts just a little bit more. That I can find in Jesus Christ a peace that passes all understanding that renews my heart and renews my mind. How many of you have ever found yourself in a place where you were like, I need my heart and mind renewed? I find myself in such turmoil, I'm so upset, I can't figure anything out right now. I know I've been there. And so when I step into this and I read this, what an incredible promise that I can have. As I read the passage, there there is no question that they provide for us this, this progressive path to this deep abiding peace. That appears to be deeply rooted in Christ that all of us believers can embrace, can live in. Now, now before I go any further, I want to remind, I want to ask you guys this. I want you to ask yourself this question. Do you believe in the work of Jesus Christ? Do you believe in the words of Jesus Christ? Do you believe in his word expressed to us as believers? then you have to believe that there is a peace available to you that passes all understanding that renews your heart and mind. This is what we understand based on the word of God. I want us to look at this and understand the pathway that he's created. Let's start, first of all, at the end. Start in verse 7 where he says all of this will lead to. And then, essentially, is what he says, a peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. As I said, what an amazing landing spot, right? as we've experienced the things in our lives, we've experienced loss in our lives, we've experienced suffering in our lives, to be able to be in a place that, that is a peace that passes all understanding. This is one of my all-time favorite ideas expressed in scripture. You know what it's literally saying? The peace you have makes no sense. That's literally what it's saying. The peace you have passes all understanding, goes beyond what anyone could understand about you having peace the means that when people look back and they see the circumstances of your lives, they see what's going on in your lives and they go, it makes absolutely no freaking sense that this guy has peace in his life. It's the person who's sitting in the cancer ward next to somebody else who's in the cancer ward and they see something about you and they go, how can you have peace in that diagnosis? It's somebody who sees their own career disappear in front of them, and somebody look at them. How can you have peace in the midst of losing your job? A peace that passes all understanding. And and it's not just in in, in the description there is so amazingly cool because it's not just being resting in that place of peace. It is this active work that is renewing your heart and your mind. It is giving you new thoughts. It is giving you new posture in your life continually and constantly. You ever been in that place where, where, where there's so much turmoil taking place in your life? Maybe it's a lost job. Maybe it's a bad diagnosis. Maybe it's the loss of a, dear, of a loved one. Have you ever felt the destruction that takes place in your heart, in your mind, in the midst of that? He says, A peace that passes all understanding that will be renewing your heart and your mind. This is where the pathway ends. What an incredible promise that we have in the word of God. And that incredible ending is preceded by an admonition to to combat, to work on, to actions That eliminate anxiety. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. He he, he says, do not be anxious about anything. He says, in every situation by prayer and petition, present your requests and then the peace of God that passes all understanding will renew your hearts and minds. So he goes into this and he says, listen, how do we get there? How can I find that peace? He says, well, guys, what you need to do is you need to rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, again, I say rejoice. And I love that he does that there because we're painting a picture here, right? You're in the midst of something. You're in the midst of turmoil. You're in the midst of loss. You're in the midst of pain. And he says, rejoice in the midst of it. And, and then he says, cast your cares on him. He says, he, he, he says, he says what I want you to do in, in this, don't be anxious about it. He's like, don't be anxious about it. He says, rejoice, don't be anxious, bring to him your prayers. And then once you do those things, the peace of God that passes all understanding will renew your hearts and minds. He says there are certain actions that we need to take. There are certain activities we need to engage in to get to the point where that peace can flood over us. How many of you have experienced when you do that, you get there? When in the midst of all of these things, you can begin to rejoice and say, you're still God, you're still on the throne, I'm going to rejoice in you. When you can actually bring those prayers to him and you you drop them at his feet. But have you noticed how sometimes that's really hard to do? I mean, mean, when I read this passage, it's kind of like, Oh, okay. Like, like he literally says here, don't be anxious for anything. How, how many of you ever been in that position, and you're like, somebody comes and you're like, you're all stressed, and somebody goes, stop being anxious. How helpful is that? Why are you being anxious? Stop being anxious. But that's what he says. The passage here leads us down this pathway that ends in this beautiful place. With a peace that passes, all understanding that renews our hearts and minds. He gives us wonderful instruction all the way through. He says, listen, even in the midst of rejoice so that you can understand that he's on the throne. Bring your prayers to him. uh, Bring your requests to him. Leave it at his feet. Understanding that that he's going to take it. But here's the thing. All of this hinges on four important words in the middle of the promise. I, I, I see what he wants me to do, and I see where I'll end up, but how do I get there? There's four simple words that he shares. And, and, and they are four little words in the middle of it all that reflects the incarnation of Christ that we celebrate at Christmas. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. In the middle of this whole instruction, rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your needs to him and the peace of God that passes all understanding. You see, the instruction here in Colossians is one that I think is so important the change in perspective that we have is that Jesus Christ is near to you. That Jesus Christ, he who was God, came down to this earth and dwelt among men. Emmanuel, God with us. The only way I can in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of struggle, bring my requests to him rejoice in him, don't be anxious about anything, is when I've come to the realization that my God is near me. My God knows me. My God cares about me. My God has sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in me and walk with me and comfort me and empower me. The declaration here in Colossians that the Lord is near reflects the words of the psalmist. When he says in Psalms 34, the Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Reflects the psalmist's words in 85 where he says, his salvation is near to those who fear him. The perspective change that empowers us to rejoice in any circumstance, to pray in all things, relieving us of our anxiety, To have a peace that passes all understanding is to know that God is with you, that God cares about you, that God has a plan for you. Our anxiety and our fear and our inner turmoil and lack of peace testifies to a lack of faith in the God who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. It testifies to a lack of faith in the God who said, I will supply all your needs. It testifies to a lack of faith in the God who said, all things will work together for good to them that love me. He is near. Believe him when he says, I have told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And he who has overcome the world is near you. He is for you. The warring has ended. He's on your side. You're his child. Get your eyes off of the turmoil of this world, the storms of this world, and get them on the beautiful face of Jesus Christ who is near and dear to you. The peace of God is visited on the believer when the faith in God overshadows the hope we have in the things of this world. In closing, I want to share with you what I think is a really powerful prayer. It's an old prayer that was given by St. Patrick that the believers in Ireland would often repeat. This was their prayer. Christ, be with me. Christ within me. Christ behind me. Christ before me. Christ beside me. Christ to win me. Christ to comfort and restore me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ in quiet. Christ in danger. Christ in hearts of all that love me. Christ in mouth and friend, a stranger. The peace of God will flood our hearts and minds when we realize that Jesus Christ has come. That the incarnation of Christmas is not something that is relegated to 2,000 years ago, but he is with us now. Emmanuel, every single day your heart should be at peace. No matter what is going on in your life, the declaration, the truth that Jesus Christ by his spirit is with you through it all is the source of your peace. Marriage turmoil, financial difficulty, health concerns, Jesus Christ is near you and he is there to care for you and to comfort you and to love you, and to provide for you. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer, and sub- prayer, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will renew your hearts and minds. He is here.